the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Vocal Booth To Go, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 66 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. We've got a big show planned for you today. We've got guests from Storylight Podcast, the founders, Gail Shallon and Justin Spencer, and then Byron Wagner, who recently did a live reading for them and is going to be doing, is going to be doing another one that we'll talk about after their interview. So stay tuned for that. But before that, it's time for... VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. All right. Thank you again to Mike Norgard for that fabulous promo. I laugh literally every time I hear it. Sean, what's <laughs> happening in your VO world? Um, well, not too much on the um, like on the active project front. I'm kind of just been doing a lot of auditions and finishing up like that that fan dub that I've mentioned before. Other than that, a lot of educational stuff though. Uh, some a cool milestone for GVAA. Our membership has gotten up to about 150 members. Very happy about that. Oh, that's awesome. Because yeah, thanks. I'm really excited about it. And it must be due to our that, sponsorship deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're helping tremendously, I'll bet. I hope so. <laughs> That's right. Tell them VO Meter sent you. But yeah, so I'm really happy about that. But I've been very busy coordinating. Um, I've had to increase the number of coach-led and peer-led workouts that we offer each month. And I've been fielding a lot more questions via email and offering resources and stuff like that. But everyone seems happy with the service. And I'm really enjoying it. I mean, the more workouts that we hold, the more I get to learn from our wonderful coaches through VO Osmosis. And it's great. Like, I feel like I've, I've my own acting insights are kind of increasing exponentially the more of these I do. Yeah, I'll bet. Just having access to all those wonderful resources can't help but rub off a little bit. Absolutely. I feel really blessed to have such like a uniquely suited in the industry side gig kind of thing. I know it's a pretty unique situation, but I highly recommend it if you can get with a coach, a mentor, a working talent, like an internship or something, where you can build those relationships and you can be exposed to these industry greats. Anything else? Uh, yeah, so um, other educational stuff. So I'm wrapping up my VO 101 class for Rekindle School in Seattle, and I'm actually going to be teaching online classes for another uh, Washington-based school called the Lakewood Institute of Theater. So I'm actually going to be working with kids, like high school students and stuff like that. We're going to be talking about all things animation and anime and some of the other um, more like youth-friendly genres, I think. And it's like, come on, kids, let's do an e-learning narration, right? So we'll do a little bit of that. But I mean, I really want the focus to be just kind of getting kids out of their comfort zone and just having fun and just making some wacky larger-than-life characters. That's pretty cool. Is it going to be virtual or is it in person? It's going to be virtual. Yeah, it's like a small group, like 10 students. Okay. And um, and then one adult who's just going to be observing. But ideally in the future, we might offer more either hybrid classes with like youth and adult or both one of each, that kind of thing. So it's all very like experimental stage, but I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, that sounds cool. As you know, I do a lot with kids. Uh, not so much coaching, but I have done career days for the last couple of years at my children's school, and then I still coach a ton of youth sports. So it's always rewarding when you can impart some sort of knowledge onto the, the youths. Yeah, some of you guys know I was a teacher before I was a voice talent, So, and I've worked with elementary, middle, and high school, so it's kind of nice to be able to um, to work with young kids, because I know at that age, I really wanted to practice voice acting, but there weren't a lot of opportunities for it. No, not at all. I didn't even know what it was at that age. Right. So it's great you can you can expose, I was going to say expose yourself to the kids, but that sounds that, really that bad. That sounds real bad. You can That'll expose the kids to you. No, you can expose them to the genre in a way they hadn't really had access to before. There we go. Take a look behind the voice actor. That doesn't sound right. But anyways... <laughs> hey It's like the old Simpsons episode. It's like, we can't fire anyone who's doing a terrible job or an adequate job. Or someone <laughs> who just shows up to work and doesn't touch anybody. <laughs> uh, classic. Uh, awesome. So, yeah. Um, so, I guess I am keeping busy. That's nice. <laughs> so, yeah. That pretty much wraps up my current events. What about you, Paul? I'm doing mostly author-narrated books right now. I've talked about my role at Twin Flame Studios, and that's just completely blown up. I'm juggling nine different projects right now. They're all in various states of production. Some have just started. Some are in the planning stages. Some are just about to wrap up. So my head's spinning with all the work, but I'm I'm absolutely grateful for it because it's like similar to what you were saying about having an educational job that's related to the industry. This is definitely related to the industry as well because I'm doing live directing, recording, editing, and mastering. So it's all related to things I already do. And uh, it's pretty, pretty fun. So I'm working on all of those. And then I should have a book coming out any minute. I was really hoping it would be today because as we're recording this, it's Inauguration Day. So woohoo for those who celebrate. And my book is all about the the immigration policies affecting the, the last several election cycles. So I was kind of hoping it would drop today. It still might. It's been headed to retail for about a week and a half. So if it comes out, go check out Losing Control by Jerry Kammer, narrated by me, and a brief intro by Jerry. And it's a really interesting book about how we got to where we are politically in the U.S. because of immigration as the key factor. And then the last thing I've done is a book for Fireside Horror, which is the production company run by, or publishing and production company run by Joe Hempel. Got my first project with them, Inhabit in the Can, both the original recording and the pickups, and I'm hoping to hear back from Joe that everything's peachy keen in the next couple of days. Very cool. I don't, have you done horror before? I have. I've done a couple just on ACX. This is the first one I've done with Fireside Horror, but they have a great catalog of books and some really great authors, so I'm excited to, to do more if Joe will have me. So far, so good. <laughs> I'm sure he will. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Thank you. All right, so, Sean, we have a big announcement, and it goes along with a review that you're currently putting together and doing, but I want to announce, and we'll both announce, that we've renewed our sponsorship with Sennheiser for another year. So thanks to them for being on board with the VO Meter. We're happy to have them back. Woohoo! Yeah, feel like big dogs now, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's so yeah, as Paul mentioned, we renewed our sponsorship with Sennheiser, and as part of that, they very kindly sent us these amazing microphones, the Sennheiser MK8, which is actually what I'm using right now. And I'm, I'm not, by really... the way, just Sean right now. Mine's still in the box, pending yeah. a move. <laughs> that was a good good caveat there. So so as Paul mentioned, I've got a review coming up uh, where I test out the various features of the mic. 
and, and I try to go as in-depth as I can. I will warn you, though, I have been watching a lot of Booth Junkie and Podcastage <laughs> during lockdown, so if there's some similarities in style, that's why. But, I mean, honestly, uh, Andrew Scott and, uh, and Mike Delgadio are kind of the best at what they do when it comes to audio reviews, so consider it an homage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was literally about to say that. Literally about hilarious. to say homage, which is not a word I've used probably in five years, but I was we were like thinking the exact same thing. It's hilarious. Yeah, same wavelengths, right? But honestly, uh, it like I'm really happy with I, without going too in depth. I think the sound is great. Both Paul and I actually had experience with the single pattern version of this mic, the MK4, which is like a three hundred dollar mic that it's very good as an entry level one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's quiet, it's clear, it's got a very fairly neutral sound that works on a lot of people. And um, the the benefits of the MK8 is that it's got some useful polder patterns that you can actually tailor the sound to your space, which I admit I'm not normally, I'm like, yeah, just get, like, just go for a single pattern. But now that I have one, I'm like, oh, this is kind of useful. Yeah, it could also be useful for some field recording. You can do interviews with the different polar patterns and have one person on the other side of another and it would when we can actually go out again. So there's a lot of benefits and it has a pad too. That's that's helpful. Oh yeah, I was experimenting with that. Um it's got a minus 10 and a minus 20 dB pad. So if you're doing and a low um, cut like what's that? And a low cut switch as well. Yes, yes. So um it's got it's got so many switches. I mean, that I didn't do the math, but there's dozens of combinations you could do between the five polar patterns, the three attenuation switch settings or the pad settings, and then the three high pass filter settings. Uh, keep in mind that one of those three settings is like the flat setting, but still. But it's nuts. And it, it's been, um, like I said, with the, the pads have been very useful for like animation reads. It's nice being able to just flip a switch when you're kind of sw- switching between more like a casual volume and a shouting like grenade and all that stuff. And then the uh, the high pass filter, particularly the 60 hertz one, was very useful for kind of getting rid of any unwanted bass frequencies in your in your space as well. 100 hertz is a little high, uh, especially someone for like for Paul me, that's gonna yes. yeah that's gonna take a lot of like natural bass out of his voice. Even even a higher voice guy like myself definitely thin the sound out a bit. But I mean, as far as like build quality and appearance goes, I was even showing my mom yesterday and she's like, wow, that is a beautiful mic. And she has <laughs> no interest in audio at all. Um, so thanks again, Sennheiser, for sending these out. I had a lot of fun testing it out yesterday. I do have an actual Q, well, we'll call it a sensible QGP, <laughs> a sensible gear purchase this time. So as you guys know, I kind of like I finally bit the bullet and transitioned from monitoring off my iPad to an actual like 22 inch monitor. And that's been wonderful, but I still haven't and I have it kind of elevated on a standing desk and all that. And it's fairly ergonomic, but I'm noticing I'm still kind of craning my neck down to to do all my stuff. And after a while, I'm just like I'm getting tension headaches and stuff like that. It's it's not good. I'm using my neck too much is what I'm saying. So, but anyways, way to um, stick your neck out. <laughs> yeah, <stick> your- <laughs> um, dad joke. Um, anyways, so I've been looking for solutions, and um, and I've I've heard a lot of great things about this company called Triad Orbit, which creates a lot of mounts, and they've got a sort of modular system of of clamps, mounts, VESA mounts for monitors, um, mic stands, and various other mounts and arms and and booms and things like that. So um, I was able to get three pieces for about $200 that allow me to clamp 
onto my PVC ceiling, onto one of those pipes, and then it's got sort of like a mini boom arm that attaches to that, and then it's got the vase amount on the end, and so, and it can support up to 15 pounds, so this monitor's only like 10, so I'm not worried about that, but it's gonna get this up to an even more ergonomic level, and I know the more comfortable you are, the more relaxed you are, the better your performance is, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's very cool. Congratulations on figuring out the cause of your neck strain. And it's fairly, I mean, you, you can tell you're looking down, but it's like comparing this to say like the old days when I was like jamming my, like trying to sit for everything. And it was just not it like, I don't know, it was not a very ergonomic space and I, my body was paying for it for a while. So when it comes to practice and performance, guys, get as comfortable as you can because your physicality is so important to your performance. Yeah, I'm struggling a bit with that now because I'm the way I'm set up currently in a in a blanket booth with producer's choice blankets. I have the microphone right in front of me, and it's it's not an ideal space. It's on a regular uh, tripod stand, so I used to have it mounted on the ceiling, but and for reasons I'll get to in a second, it's now just pointed at my neck basically, and I I have been looking down because I'm using a old music stand to hold my iPad, and it's, I can't get eye level and around the mic stand in my current space. So this last book idea, the one I was talking about for, for Joe, I was kind of looking down a bit. So I, I definitely need to fix that. Which brings me to my questionable gear purchase, which for most people would be the biggest one they've ever done, but not for me because <laughs> this is like the fifth time I've bought a booth. So I have sold the last booth I was in the last time I, had, I was coming to you for the podcast. It was a, a drum perfect drum, drum shield slash vocal booth. That wasn't working for me in my current space because I went to the basement and forgot how loud it was in the basement and uh -oh. all the all the kids running around upstairs and the dog and people flushing the toilet because the pipes are here and the, and the furnace. Not not coincidentally, I read a blog post a couple of days ago by me about <laughs> how moving my stuff to the basement was a horrible mistake and for all the same reasons I just mentioned. This was five years ago and I completely forgot it that I had written that and had one of those facepalm moments where I was like, why, why do I not listen to myself over and over again? I think you just had like a meta Kevin Bacon moment. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. So what I've done now is I bought a Studio Bricks booth. And I think we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, or maybe even the last episode. Uh, a voice talent in North Carolina named Jeff Bahar was selling one without a door. And uh, while that seemed like not a great idea at the time, and I think for some people it would be a challenge. I decided it was worth trying to make work. So I am going tomorrow to meet Jeff. I actually just got a video from him. He's packing it up for me with some shrink wrap and bubble wrap. So I'm driving to Asheville, North Carolina tomorrow, which is not an insignificant trip. It's eight hours one way from Baltimore. And I'm going to meet Jeff, pick up the booth in my, in my minivan, and then come back and set it up once I get a door from Studio Bricks, which I'll figure out later. But Studio Bricks is a well-respected company. It's it's one that some people aspire to to buy at some point, and I couldn't pass up this deal Jeff was offering, even though it's a bit of a trip to go get it, and I have to find a door. But it'll work out in the end, I think. Yeah, you're still spending, like, far below what those things usually cost, and let's be honest, they're probably the most attractive uh, modular booths on the market. Oh, definitely. It's, it's like... It's like when you buy a, a looking for a motorcycle and you just have to get a, a Harley or a Buell or a BMW because they just look the prettiest and 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the same way with the booth. While I loved some of my other ones I've used before, and honestly, you probably can hear it sounds pretty good in this blanket booth when no one's doing anything upstairs. I, I just can't wait to have that, that sexy beast in my office. I'm like, we're kind of raunchy today. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I don't know what, like, apparently I had been... I don't know. I need, apparently I had like all this gear review tension built up over the last several months. Cause like the moment I got my hands on the, the MK eight, like three hours just disappeared. It's like, <laughs> it's like testing various settings and comparing it with my current mics and putting together this review. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I was staring at it longingly. I did look at it obviously from, cause you know, you heard my description of all the switches that I, I did look at, but I haven't plugged it in because there's just no point if, if the mic I'm using now, which is a lowly Shure SM58, is still picking up the furnace and the walking upstairs, the, the MK8 would have that 27-fold. So I'm just going to wait until the studio bricks is here, then I'll set it up and have a, have a full report. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, the um, as I say in the review, like the only con really is that it's a it's a quality condenser microphone, and is as such, it is very sensitive to ambient noise. So... If you don't have a space that has any quiet times, then it's not the the mic that I would recommend. Yeah, I would agree. But hopefully that's what uh, that's what I'm fixing. We'll see. Mm. One last thing about the the MK8 though that makes it useful for people in less than ideal spaces is the polar patterns that we talked about before. So, for example, it's got a super cardioid pattern like the Caddy 100S or the Sennheiser 416. It's got a bi-directional or figure of eight pattern, which is actually what I'm using right now. And um, I think it sounds the most pleasant because since you have two capsules picking up my voice from different positions in my space, they kind of get different reflections and it kind of fills out the sound. It It's really nice. And because of the, the way that that pattern works, it's got almost these dead zones that it, of, of off-axis rejection on the sides. So if you know that, say, like the north and southern sides of your booth are the quiet ones, you can orient it that way so that the east and west sides are completely dead to outside noise. Yeah, that'll be me because I'm going be <laughs> to be putting the booth right up against the outside wall that faces that giant highway I talked about. So, yeah, you're making me think. I was, I'm trying to figure out where exactly I'm going to put the booth or exactly which angle because it's mm-hmm. longer on one side and, and fatter on the other. So... Yeah, I'm probably going to have to face the mic towards towards the highway, and that'll help a lot, I think. So, yeah. So, like, I, I'll try not to repeat myself because there is a full review coming up soon. But first impressions, very happy with this mic. And welcome back, Sennheiser, for another year with the VO Meter. I think this is the start or continuation of a beautiful friendship. So thanks for letting us ramble on and being a little raunchy for the beginning of the <laughs> podcast. It's now time for the interview with the founders of Storylight. But first, a word from our sponsors. Walgreens, because it's flu season, and you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. Have you tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites? They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. 
Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly hair dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Hey, Sean, what's a vocal booth? Uh, it's an acoustically treated space to record voiceover, sing, or practice music. Okay, so then what's a vocal booth to go? An acoustically treated space to eat a cheeseburger and fries? No, of course not. Vocal Booth To Go's patented acoustic blankets, noise mitigation products, and portable booths are an effective alternative to expensive soundproofing. They're often used by vocal and voiceover professionals, engineers, and studios as an affordable soundproofing and absorption solution. Oh, I have it now. Actually, I've always had it. I've used Vocal Booth To Go's products for years, and I can't recommend them enough. Vocal Booth To Go. We make your environment quieter for less. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the VO Meter podcast. Today, we are joined by Justin Spencer and Gail Shawin, the co-founders of the Storylight podcast. Storylight is a podcast in which professional actors read their favorite stories from when they were young. Each episode is an hour long, and two episodes per week are released. We are also pleased to be joined by Byron Wagner, who is a Storylight narrator, and just did a live reading of White Fang for the show. So, welcome, everybody. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about the Storylight podcast and if it helps your personal backgrounds as well and how you came to come together as a team for Storylight. Well, I'll, do, you want, do you want me to go first, Gail? Yeah, you go ahead, Justin. Okay. So Gail and I met in England, actually, near my near my birthday. I think we were celebrating my birthday, weren't we? That's right. Yep. Right. So our relationship started as all about me. And, right. <laughs> and has continued as such. Yeah. Since then. <laughs> No, we, we were both going to uh, the Bristol Old Vic Theater School for a master's program in acting. We met there and just had an amazing experience, came back to the States and uh, for a long time just kept in touch with each other over the phone. She lives in New York. I'm over on the West Coast, so didn't see each other much. But then in uh, 2020, around March, actually, mm-hmm everything happened with COVID and uh, the previous month I had gotten a new agent and was getting self tapes and everything. I was super excited and then everything shut down. And, and uh, I don't know for, for myself as a creator, uh, being an actor and, and storyteller, and I couldn't just sit and do nothing. It would have been really bad for me. <laughs> and I was also noticing that a lot of my friends and uh, fellow actors and and just people in general were, um, you know, it was it was it was a hard time. Um, my grandmother passed away from COVID, and and my kids were out of school, and it was just it messed with everything and made made people pretty unhappy. And so I called Gail and kind of the rest is history. We we wanted to start a podcast in which we could provide creators and actors, performers with an opportunity that to tell stories in a, in a time where it was pretty difficult to get a job doing so. And really started as, for me, wanting to give my kids a little bit of something to look forward to every week. And that's just, that's kind of how it's grown. What What would you say, Gail? Yeah, and I, I think that that sentiment that was raised by your daughters was something that resonated a lot with both of us. 
you know, as kids growing up and finding escape and happy place and exploration and discovery and, you know, also like ways to cope with the hard stuff through stories. Um, we knew that that was a place that we wanted to go. And and we knew we had this great community all over the world of storytellers. And so we thought, well, we have the tools as voice actors uh, to make something like this happen and have helped to, I don't know, I guess I think of like create a, a virtual play space for everybody to, to appear at. So it's, yeah, it's been growing uh, since then. And we, we mostly tell old favorites for families that are in the public domain or original retellings of old stories. And it seems to be reaching a lot of folks and making people happy in a time that's kind of dark and rough. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, what a what a beautiful passion project. And so, as you were saying before, you're sort of building momentum. Now, the podcast started out as bi-weekly episodes, but the sample that we've shared is, or excuse me, is Byron doing a live Discord session. How did that come about? It was a horrible mistake, officer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was drunk at the time and loaded, but uh, no, what happened was I had originally met Gail in person at an after party for the Audis this year, he said, meaning 2020. Right, and, believe that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, yes. And anyway, at some point or another, I found out that, you know, about the podcast and they mentioned that they were looking for narrators. And I thought, what a cool project. And I, I like, you know, paying it back, paying it forward. You know, I'm, I, that's why I have no money. But anyway, um, <laughs> I contacted them and they said, yeah, I sent them, you know, a demo of some of my work and so on. So, um, when I started doing White Fang for them, I realized there was, I'm, I'm a real technology guy. Um, I had, what I'm most known for probably in the, in the narration community is the fact that I had helped create and patent the very first ISDN codec back in 1992. Wow. Um, and so I had become aware that a guy named Kyle Tate and a couple of other people had perverted this thing called Discord. Discord is a live, originally audio and text and now video as well chat kind of a sidecar that gamers had put together and the idea was that when you're busy in the middle of a you know first person shooter blowing people's brains out you wanted to yell at your buddies look out there's somebody behind you or whatever and you couldn't easily do that within the game but by doing this kind of separate thing that you could do on your console game or your pc or mac or whatever they created this thing that turned into a community because it was a persistent virtual space that you could go back to unlike a zoom call unlike iMessage unlike other things except maybe a an RSS feed or uh, you know now a Facebook uh, chat so what they had done was to say that's great for gamers why can't we use it for audiobook narration and so uh, Kyle built a place called narrator nook and when I say a place I mean a virtual space on this this uh, platform called Discord, which the basic levels of Discord are free. You can create your own server, as in one of those virtual places or multiple virtual places, invite your buddies and then have a great time. And originally it was again for, for playing uh, video games or computer games. So what they did was create a space and say, this is for narrators. And if you're a narrator, you just, you can send out a blast, meaning if there are people who are members of your server, you can uh, send out the equivalent of a, a tweet that says, hey, listeners, I'm going to be in the such and such room at such and such a time, and I'm doing adult stuff, or I'm doing kids stuff, or I'm doing a cozy mystery or whatever. Come and listen. 
And so the wonderful thing that that accomplished is this fabulous thing of a narrator, you know, the people that wear the t-shirts that say, I sit in a small padded room all day talking to myself <laughs> so that they could have an audience, even, no matter where they were in the world, especially with COVID. So that was pretty cool. And the way that it works is the narrator goes in the room and they can even share their video, but we'll get into that in a second. But basically they share very high quality audio. And the reason this worked so well for gamers was because it was focused on low latency. In other words, really low delays between typing or listening or whatever. So the point is, is that a narrator could go in there and very simply say, okay, here's what I'm reading today, and then start reading the audio. Everyone can hear the super high quality audio. And instead of speaking back the way a gamer would to say, hey, buddy, you got something, something on your six, people would type back. So the narrator wasn't disturbed by that, didn't have to pay attention to it while they were reading. And then every couple of minutes when they were doing punch and roll or doing, you know, redoing something or whatever, if they chose to, they could look at the text. And they could go, oh, yeah, you know, Joni says that I'm talking too fast, or Fred, you're right, um, you know, it probably, this is that and the other. And then they started doing this thing that was amazing, which was audience participation. So one of the things that I did in the, in the podcast was when I got to a word and I said, okay, there's a word here, it's E-I-T-H-E-R. Do I say either or do I say either? And we took a vote. Or if you get to a character and you say, well, the, you know, the author doesn't really describe this character should I give him a lisp or a French accent? And the fact that the people who are listening to this and are actually participating in it and can say something that can literally change the course of how this project goes is tremendously compelling to the people who are participating. So just to, to finish off this long diatribe, basically what's happened now is there's video as part of this experience. So what I thought was this would be a great way to get more people aware of what Storylight and Gail and Justin are doing, and it'll be fun, and it's technology, and I like playing with it, and it might all blow up, and that could be exciting. And, you know, <laughs> you, you know that's you know, it's like watching a, watching a stock car race or a demolition derby. You know, you don't know. Or a hockey game. It could be a fight. I mean, like it's ever happened. So anyway, and I knew that I would have fun doing it. So I pitched them on the idea, and they amazingly thought that it was fun. And then I talked to Kyle about using one of his rooms instead of setting up one of my own. That way it would, it would add an audience of people who didn't know about this necessarily. So what you ended up with, you know, in the experience that we had very successfully was people who like audiobooks could come and visit the Sausage Factory and narrators. And this was amazing to me and really, really important to me. Narrators could come listen to somebody else do it. Because part of the problem with audiobook narration, although you can take coaching and you can take classes, is it's a little bit like learning to fly a glider, which are typically one place. In other words, they only have one seat. So there are a few gliders that have two seats, so you can go up with an instructor. But basically, this is a way for, for narrators to come and listen and go, oh, I'm better than this guy. He's messing up all the time. He just mispronounced goof and flabber. Man, everybody knows that's wrong or whatever. So it's an educational thing. It's a community thing. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, and we had people from all over the world. So that isn't something that you normally, you know, kind of associate with the art of audiobook narration, or in this case, you know, uh, well, it was a book. It's, you know, White Fang. So that's a very long-winded answer to your original question of two hours ago. 
but a very informative one. I mean, you you really hit the ha- or the nail on the head. It is an experience and one that's very unique to listening to a finished book or even a live author reading. Right? This is so cool. Mm-hmm. It was so, also a lot of fun. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like, like it. it. So now you've had some time to reflect back on it for for really Gail, Justin, or Byron. How mm-hmm. what has the response been like? Have you had any feedback? Yeah, I mean, being there, so I was kind of moderating the event while Byron was doing a a fantastic job hosting it and giving a performance all at the same time. So I was in the chat interacting and would come on now and again and, and talk with Byron. And it was really exciting to be there because I think Byron kind of highlighted this, but it felt like a community space and it felt the most like being in a theater Um, which I think is where Justin and I started this project from, is our missing that community, as I've felt all, well, since March, I guess. So people were there and we could feel their feedback in real time and feel like we, we had an audience and that they were learning things in the moment and we could discuss things. And so real time experience was very fruitful. And then afterwards, yeah, we had many folks reach out, new listeners, which is always great. um, But folks who want to get involved, which is also why we made this, you know, again, I think community is like a real core word for me with this project. And it it created the perfect playground for that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I didn't get to participate as much as as Gail did. But when I was there, it really the 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 thing that popped into my head was, you know, those old Mr. Rogers uh, shows. And and uh, I think they did it on Reading Rainbow as well, where they'd go into the factory and and show the kids how it gets how, how it gets made. And it had it had that kind of a feeling to it, because I think growing up, you just, you know, you'll put on for me, it was tapes. You know, I'd listen to uh, Hank the Cowdog or something in, in, in my room and and listen to John Erickson read it. And I didn't really understand how it was made. But I think how it's made is actually part of the fun. Digital field trip. I love it. Yeah. So. For mm-hmm. Justin and Gail, what exactly was the most difficult or challenging part of putting the show together? Learning how to edit and master at the same time. As, <laughs> as, yeah, I I didn't know how to do that um, three months before starting Storylight, and I learned because I was because I wanted to get into audiobooks, and that's something that Gail kind of was really instrumental in showing me. Like, here's the equipment you need to have, and all of that, and. And doing two episodes a week of editing the sound and then doing sound design for it was was a very steep learning curve for me. Yeah, and if I can just say, Justin has done an amazing job with that. I mean, I've never been a part of a project, an audio project, that has such complete sound design and really, you know, plays its part in telling the story as well. It creates atmosphere and it creates a place for the listener to go, which like Byron has mentioned, being a narrator is kind of lonely. And it felt really, really collaborative to have him working on that every week. And, you know, we did the first four stories between the two of us and then started to bring in other narrators. So I'd send him out my chapter for the week and I knew what it was like to be working on it in the booth. And when I normally submit audiobook work, it comes back and it sounds like a prettier version of what I did, you know, a month ago in the booth by myself. This was like a, a whole new thing. It was like, a, you know, a film for my ears. Um, so he's really expanded what I think is possible with, with audiobook narration on this project. So yeah, it was maybe a little bit of a learning curve, but it's like opened a whole new world. <laughs> Wonderful. As a master splinter once said, it's amazing what one can do when one is forced to. 
Yes, uh, yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. Thanks, 2020. <laughs> Which one of us is the rat? That's the yeah. <laughs> Whoever wants to be it. Master Splinter's a good one. <laughs> I'm a little, little worried you spilled some of our secrets that we, we practice our craft while doing the podcast. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, No, it was worse than that. I mentioned that there's video. So what we were able to do is using, you know, various technological software and everything else, when you came in for the experience, in this case, you saw, as in visually saw, the image of my desktop. So you saw the script, you saw my DAW, you know, I was using Twisted Wave, so you saw the waveforms, you saw me drop markers, you saw me, you know, go back and, and do the pre-roll for punch and roll. You heard me do things, you heard me make mistakes, and you also, I had a webcam going. So, uh, you know, people could uh, run and screaming in the opposite direction if they chose to. But you got a chance to see all of that and even little things like the monitor of my CPU core activity. So I knew that I wasn't coming anywhere near to the thing, as we said, exploding. <laughs> and, uh, and all of that was going on simultaneously and at the same time as people were typing and or, you know, uh, meaning typing amongst each other or and when I would stop, uh, Gail typically would have kind of called through some of the questions that had popped up in the chat window so she could easily say hey you know Susie cream cheese from Pacoima wants to know about this and of course you know the classic what mic are you using and why are you doing that and so I would take breaks occasionally and answer the questions and then go back to doing the recording and it was a lot of fun like I said three times already well you bring up sort of our next question Byron you mentioned all the different things you had to focus on while you were doing the performance what was the most difficult part of doing the live performance um, it, there wasn't, I mean, we, because we were using a lot of untested technology, I was literally running this on a brand new M1 processor based uh, MacBook pro. All the software was Intel. It was running through Ozetta. Uh, we're using, we're using, uh, uh, Discord at the same time we were thinking about trying to run a, a, a stream to Facebook Live, which we tried for a little while just as an experiment. So everything did actually blow up once. But in terms of things being hard, we had prepped in advance. We had tried some stuff. We had had some dry runs. And so really, there wasn't anything hard about it. It was, a, like I keep saying, it was a lot of fun to have an audience and to get feedback. And that's very, you know, th that's a very um, motivating thing when you're performing that you don't no, no, don't normally get mm -hmm. and i wasn't particularly nervous because i was doing what i do all the time and i do enjoy you know performing i do on camera and on stage stuff so that wasn't anything new and i wasn't afraid to let everybody see when i made mistakes because that's how that works it's you know again part of the thing we were talking about earlier um you know the the mr wizard or you know uh opening paying you know being able to pay attention to the man behind the curtain and see what really was involved because I, I mean, I presume there are probably some people who think that, um, you know, uh, everybody just speaks it all one time through kind of like, you know, Simon Vance or Scott Brick and it's all perfect. Um, so that was, so I, I can't think of it. The only thing that I can think of that was difficult was just trying to have, um, plan B's for if things blew up or if nobody showed up or things like that. But so I can't think of anything that was hard. Uh, Gail, I mean, you did really all the the heavy lifting in terms of getting a sponsor and uh, promoting the thing. And the, the guys, guys, meaning uh, mm -hmm. Justin and, and Gail, do a tremendous job in using Instagram and social media 
to promote what they're doing, as well as the fact that the, you know, all the posts that, that uh, Justin typically does in terms of sound effects and music beds and, you know, fading things in and out and so on. That's, you know, that's awesome as well. I, I uh, actually, I don't think it was a challenge of the Discord event, but an opportunity on the marketing side of things that one of the things that audiobooks kind of struggle with in terms of um, today's market and publicity is that they're very passive and we really like short and interactive forms of entertainment these days. So a thing like Discord where you could come and participate and see how it was being done and watch something and tune in as much or as little as you'd like. I mean, if you wanted, you could just stick your headphones in and listen to the whole thing for three hours if you preferred. So it was as participatory as the audience decided it was. And, and that was a real invitation for us, I think, to, to appeal to a larger audience. So it's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you all, all of you have uh, touched on this a little bit, but I'd love to hear more about what the most rewarding aspects about this project have been for you. I'll jump in briefly because that's what I usually do. Back in the days when I used to produce an engineer records, you know, people would say, since I don't do that anymore, do you miss working with Pitt Midler, Bruce Springsteen, name, 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 name. And I'd say there are a couple of things that I, that I do miss about that whole process. We're talking about back in the 80s. And the answer was, for the most part, working with people who are at the top of their craft and they don't make excuses in the case of musicians about, well, you know, the accuracy on my guitar neck's a little off. I need to have that done. Or, you know, gee, I was up too late last night. But just who, who come in and start at a level of professionalism and performance and talent and skill that's way up there. And that's very fun. But the thing that was the most re rewarding about that experience was, you know, somebody would, would Shanghai you into going to hear their postman's cousin's daughter at some open mic somewhere, and you knew it was going to be terrible, and 99 times out of 100 it was. And then there's that one time where the person would be amazing, and you'd say, okay, give me your, you know, give me your demo reel, and I'll, I'll, I'll send it around and see if I can help. And they'd say, well, I don't have a demo reel. I couldn't afford the tape. I don't have the studio time. And at that point in my position producing and engineering, I could say, well, look, I've got a studio that owes me some time. I have a drummer that I know who doesn't work unless he's got somebody to work with, as in a vocalist or whatever. We'll, you know, we'll put it together and, and, and do that. And when you do that, you lay down the basic tracks and, and, you know, you put down a couple of vocals and you put a little EQ on, a little echo, and then you bring the artist in and you give them a rough mix and their head explodes. <laughs> And they go, oh, my God, that's me. That's my song. But it sounds like a record. How did you do that? So helping people recognize what they're capable of doing is probably the single most rewarding thing I can think of offhand. So I really enjoy introducing people to a lot of times technology or to other people in a way that Everybody, you know, I'm a, I'm a hero because everybody's happy. It's a win-win-win situation. In this case, I saw, you know, here's this thing that's happening. And 90% of the audiobook narrators that I know have no clue that it's going on. But it's so easy and it's so much fun and it really changes the experience. And it's such an opportunity to connect with an audience in real time that you don't normally get. You've got the booth, you've got the mic, you've got the internet connection. You know, you download a copy of the Discord software and it's showtime or, you know, you're on the air. Or even if you don't do any of that, here is this, again, this community, this virtual persistent place 
where you can go hang out anytime you want. You can be the person that's reading. You can go listen to other people. You can learn. And some of the, some of the quote, big names are starting to do this. Andy Arndt shows up from time to time. You know, there, there are a lot of people that are, that are starting to recognize how much fun this is, how educational it is, and, and what a great thing it is for the audiobook community as a whole. And I thought, well, here's a great excuse to publicize this and specifically the servers that, uh, you know, again, that Kyle, Kyle Tate has set up and so on. And just, again, be get a chance to, to show off and be everybody's hero by introducing them to this stuff. And it's, again, if you know about it, it's so simple, it's so straightforward, it's so fun. How could I not want to do this? And, um, and at the same time, like I said, we were in the middle of doing uh, White Fang. And uh, I thought, well... Is there any negative to this? I mean, it's, it happens to be that it's public domain, so there's no issues with publishers or authors' rights or anything like that from doing it live. And so that's why I thought this is all just going to work because why wouldn't Kyle Tate want more people, you know, learning about his server and coming up as an audience or as a narrator and, and showing up there? Why wouldn't, uh, you know, Gail and Justin want more publicity and people knowing about Storylight and helping them by saying, wow, I'd love to do... I'd love to narrate for that stuff. It just it just seems so obvious. I mean, all of the things that I've done successfully in my career are things which in hindsight, everybody goes, well, that's just so obvious. And the answer was, it was. And it's just, you know, one of my favorite quotes, the future's already here. It's just unevenly distributed. So the idea was shake it up a little bit and spread it around. How about Justin and Gail? What's the most rewarding part of Storyline as a whole or the live performance? That's awesome, Byron. I love that. Um, I think they they overlap, which is the joy of sharing stories. Um, that's the core of the project, and it's what I think the audience that we have is looking for, and it's why we make it, and it's how we get people involved. And it was the joy of the Discord experience. Uh, Byron was talking about an audiobook narrator event back in March that was in person. Those events are the most joyful that I've ever been in in my life because it's a room full of people who just love to share stories and they can finally be in the room with each other. So what Discord did was create a, a virtual room that we could all hang out in again, which was great. And I think, I don't know, nobody, I don't know, maybe some people are, but I'm not an audiobook narration for the fame or the fortune. There are other other routes to go on for that. Um, I'm there because I love to tell stories and I think most people are in the audiobook community. So that's it. It's joyful. It's It's pure joy every day. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. It's really fun for me to to encounter people actually where, you know, where I live. I was at getting coffee the other day at a local coffee shop and a lady in line said, "Are are you Justin?" because small town, right? And she told me that her kids have been listening to Storylight and have loved it. And then hearing, you know, my my aunt say that she loves listening to it and then strangers that i've never met say that this was this is a really uh, joyful part of their day and it's in working with narrators when performers the audience it's all full of joy nobody's coming to storylight angry <laughs> it's it's all like healing and bright it's right in the name storylight and being able to be a part of that community as a storyteller is why we created it and then to see it happen there are there are some people who become performers because they really they love being seen i think there are some who and i'm not saying either way is wrong but and then there are some who 
love to become performers and storytellers because they want to they want to make people's lives better they want to make them more enjoyable or they want to help people learn things about themselves or the world and and just to know that storylight is doing that is and that the audience is enjoying it is probably the most rewarding part for me well that's fantastic well before we go i want to ask one more question first of all for gail and justin uh, where do you see the future of Storyland as a whole? And then for all three of you, do you plan to do any more live readings? Justin, you go ahead on that. So far, the the growth that we've had is very organic. It's been word of mouth. Each new narrator brings a new audience. Um, there are some people that just learn through Instagram, learn through this Discord, and it's grown steadily. And I And I love that it's that kind of growth. As far as where it goes in the future, definitely more organic growth and and just building out the community step by step. I think one of the things that I've loved working with Gail is that everything we've done is done through joy. And I want to make sure that that continues to happen with Storylight. And I think just in terms of practical growth, uh, Gail and I have talked about uh, releasing all of our stories as full digital audiobooks releasing on YouTube as well. Um, we're looking at some of those things, and I'm sure that there will be more opportunities to listen to Storylight on uh, on more platforms. That's something that I know we're going to do in the next year. Right. And then also, um, you know, I think imagination and creativity is what drives our project. And so trying to uh, leave a space that's open so creatives can collaborate. Every narrator that comes to us we leave the opportunity for them to bring a story with them or to help us understand what story would best fit them and let them add their two cents as to why they love to tell stories and make that a part of the project that they're on. And we've had a wonderful illustrator join us um, this year. Justin Hatcher has done some gorgeous original illustrations, mostly for The Wind in the Willows, but then we have some cover art for a few other projects. So seeing where we can get artists of, of all walks involved um, and leave a space to create. Yeah, that's where I see it going. Just to piggyback on that briefly, uh, there's a young woman that I've been helping named Marley Watson, who's uh, 20 years old, lives in Florida, and has, is an exceptionally uh, good audiobook narrator already. And when I introduced her to, uh, to Justin and to Gail, they said, sure, come on board. So she's doing a very successful uh, podcast of Pollyanna as we speak. And uh, I also have gained another kind of really demanding listener. My mother is 95 years old. Uh, she lives in <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska, and she will call me up. There was, uh, I, it wasn't a delay really. It was a scheduled thing in terms of, there, it happened that there was a Friday in which another, you know, segment of White Fang didn't drop, and I got a phone call from my mother <laughs> saying basically, "Where the hell is it?" You know, I love that. She she loves it, and her eyesight is not that great anymore, but she, I mean. A lot of the things that I am, I owe to her. She was involved in community theater. Uh, she was elected to city council, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I have a, I have an issue. You know, it's like if, if you guys don't drop my episodes on time, my mom. Is gonna <laughs> we don't want to face that wrath. Okay. No. And, and, and then just one other uh, quick answer in terms of Paul's question, in terms of future stuff. Perfect opportunity to plug from 3 p.m. Pacific time or 6 p.m. Eastern time. You can figure out if you live someplace else. On Saturday, February 6th, uh, we're doing it again. 
and uh, and we we're looking forward to having even possibly a larger audience this time, a little bit more time to promote things. It's it's going to be in a different year, so perhaps things will be a little different this next year when we do this. Or the awesome. matrix will have blown up and we'll all be on a different planet. Yeah, <laughs> and you can still listen to Storylight, whatever planet you're on. There exactly. we go. <laughs> awesome! I'm so excited to bang my mic. But, <laughs> anyways, guys, it has been such a pleasure talking with all of you. Is there anything else you want to promote, and how can people get involved if they're interested? Yes. Yeah, so, um, a couple of things. One is that if you want to be up to date with what we're releasing and when the next event is, and we'll remind you to show up at Discord. And also Byron and I came up with some instructions on how to get there if it's a little confusing. So we'll send those out. You can sign up for our mailing list on www.storylight.net slash contact dash us or just go to storylight.net and hit the contact page. And we will send updates there. You can follow us on Instagram at storylight underscore podcast, Twitter at storylight underscore pod and Facebook at storylight podcast. And if you are looking for unique gifts, we've released Justin Hatcher's artwork on our website. Uh, we have a little merchandise shop. So you can pick those up if you're interested in them. And given that you've shown your fabulous sophistication as a self-selecting population by listening to this VO Meter podcast, it wouldn't surprise me if Paul and, uh, and Sean decided to maybe help us out with a little promotion when it came time to do that. But, you know, it could happen. We'll see what we can Possibly. do. Don't press your luck. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's been such a pleasure talking with all of you. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best, and I can't wait to hear that next one. So thanks again, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you so very much. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on, not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking, not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking, not unlike myself, and you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead. Take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. 
All right, and we are back. Wow, man, it was so much fun talking with those guys. <laughs> I feel inspired. What about you, Paul? Yeah, I'm generally kind of a Debbie Downer sort of thing. But yeah, that was inspiring <laughs> to have. I mean, let's be honest, I am. But it was it was nice to hear people who were so positive and doing such such nice things just out of truly altruistic me altruistic uh, motivation. And it was wonderful to hear. So good luck to them in their future. Good luck to Byron on his read in February. And you can check them out anywhere the podcasts are available. And like we said in the interview, they're looking for readers. So if you're interested in getting involved, reach out to them. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Coming up, we'll be featuring an interview with Rob Marley, who is a veteran voice actor and coach and just wrote a book. We'll talk to him about that and all his experiences that he put into that life's work uh, that I'm sure will benefit many voice actors. Absolutely. Rob's, uh, his articles that have, that he's compiled to use for this book have definitely been helpful in my own research and in my own career. So I'm really looking forward to talking about it. And stay tuned for our Sennheiser MK8 mini-sode where we gush even more about our latest microphone. But that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. <laughs>